Hello, and welcome to another edition of Eight More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. This is Councilman Brandon Cohn, and we're recording the show on Wednesday, October 23rd. My guest today is currently serving as the Executive Director of Trees Louisville, although she has a much longer and more distinguished career here in public service in the city of Louisville. I'm pleased to welcome my friend Cindy Sullivan. Cindy, thanks for coming to be on the show. Brandon, thanks for having me. So, um... People might be more familiar with your name than they are the name Trees Louisville uh, because you have been serving in a public role for a long time. Can you tell people who might not know anything about you, sort of your background, your career, what you've been doing here in Louisville? I was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. I went to the University of Kentucky, got my degree in horticulture from University of Kentucky, and moved to Louisville about 30 years ago, just over 30 years ago. And my first job at in Louisville was working for what was then called Operation Brightside. I was the community gardening coordinator. Okay. And helped people in low-income areas uh, take vacant lots and turn them into garden spaces where they could grow their own fruits and vegetables, which for a horticulture major was like the dream job of yeah. all time, right? And of course... Uh, Brightside was um, the mayor's program at the time, and so I got to know so much about the geography of the city doing my job, and I met so many people through the mayor's office. Um, One person in particular, Mr. Henry Heiser Jr., was on the board of Operation Brightside when I worked there, and Henry and I have stayed um, fast friends for the last 30 years. When I left uh, the city of Louisville, Uh, and and Operation Brightside. I went off on my own for a little while doing consulting, and then through my connections again through Operation Brightside, I started working for Channel 11 and WHS Radio because I had become friends with Fred Wishy, and when he got sick, I filled in for him, and then when he passed away, the radio station and the TV station offered me his position. And I did that for a long, long time, until that sort of ran its course. And then coincidentally, Mr. Heiser came back into my life for real and asked if I would help him get this organization called Trees Louisville started. So we're a nonprofit that was organized really when the 2015 Urban Tree Canopy Assessment was published that showed that we're losing an alarming 54,000 trees every year. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll certainly get much more into that in a moment here, but let me just backtrack. So you were the community gardens uh, person at Brightside. Did you uh, have other roles within that organization as well? I did, Brandon. I pretty much did everything. I did the community garden program, and then I started working more on open space maintenance, doing bright sites. Mm-hmm. And then um, I sort of transitioned, not just for working for Operation Brightside, but working with community services and working with all of the other organizations here in town, like Metro Parks and Olmsted Parks Conservancy and, uh, and other organizations to be able to coordinate better our open space maintenance. Right, something I think we're still working on and also in terms of tree planting as well. But I I had to ask a little bit more about Brightside because I love that organization. I served on its board for um, a number of years during the Fisher administration. I actually chaired the cleanliness committee. I was, you know, I'm anyone that pays attention to me. I'm obsessed with litter Mm -hmm. uh, and I detest it. Um, Brightside has a tree planting part of its mission now. It didn't at the time. 
right? What what right. what what was going on in terms of tree planting from the city's um, in terms of the city taking action back when you first started? Yeah, so 30 years ago, we actually did do some tree planting, but it was all part of that bright side program. We were basically cleanup, mm-hmm. beautification, and environmental education. And I should also say that a large p- portion of my job was that environmental education piece because I worked a lot with elementary schools mm-hmm. doing programming and um, I, I did in-service programs for teachers and and all, all kinds of really fun stuff. Fred and I actually did a program together where we would take, I had uh, vermicomposting bins, which are worm bins basically, mm-hmm. that we would take around to the schools and show the kids how they could do worm composting in their own homes. That was kind of sure they love fun, that. Fun, fun part of my life. <laughs> yeah, so we... Um, I can I can still Brandon to this day go by several places, mostly downtown, and see trees that that I planted 30 years ago, That's and exciting. that is yeah, I mean it's amazing. It's, so where actually sort of on the radar uh, on your timeline did the issue of tree planting become something that was more than a beautification? or sort of a cleanliness effort for you. Obviously, the 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 study that came out in 2015 was really sort of a crisis point. Right. Uh, I guess you were talking about the 80s or the 90s when you were starting to work with Brightside. Was there some mm-hmm. point in those intervening years where you personally understood that trees meant so much more and was a bigger issue in this community? Well, that's an interesting question. I really didn't come back around to that until about 2015. Mm-hmm. And that was when that environmental law class looked at the urban tree canopy Mm -hmm. and it was like we're at 26 percent canopy that's not enough for a healthy community and so that was a certainly a red flag for this community and then at the same time dr brian stone at georgia tech university or yeah georgia tech um, he published um, a study that looked at the 50 largest cities in the united states louisville was one of them and our degree of change per decade over the four decade study period was 1.67 degrees Fahrenheit. In terms of the urban heat island effect, the exactly. fastest growing. Yeah, fastest growing urban heat island effect in the nation is, is how he named us, right. you know, called us out. And that's pretty scary because, you know, there are more heat-related deaths globally than any other weather-related condition combined. Yeah, and I think, I think it, it raises an interesting point that even someone who's really as plugged in as you into uh, the natural environment and mm-hmm. um, how it impacts our city, it wasn't really until this this pair of studies in the middle of this decade that really right. created sort of a, a wow, big awakening for most of the people that live here. And right. so on the one hand, I'm optimistic that um, we're still at the beginning of this city fully embracing uh, the need to preserve and plant trees, but at the same time, just the urgency of the crisis, the climate crisis, um, the stormwater management crisis, all the different things that uh, the air pollution crisis, all the things that trees help us address has me concerned. So should I be um, happy and optimistic or should I be afraid or a little bit of both? Oh, goodness. That's a really good question. You should be afraid. Be okay. very afraid. I am. <laughs> but go and, ahead and t- t- talk about why. Well, in part because it takes decades 
for a canopy to develop. I mean, we're planting trees now, which is wonderful, but it's going to take them 20, 30 years before they get to the point where they really provide the shade that we need. And maybe we should define canopy. I mean, what do we really mean by that? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the urban tree canopy is is all the leaves and stems and twigs and branches that create protection and shade. So all the things that you mentioned about air quality and stormwater management and urban heat island mitigation and um, energy savings, all of those are really very important ecosystem services that um, a, a robust tree canopy can provide. But if you just think of it as shade and protection from skin cancer, right? Right. Um, and, and Don't minimize shade. We could, I mean, we're having this interview in late October. We could be having this interview in the middle of August, and people wouldn't discount you know, the value of shade in and of itself. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's why we did a public information campaign in August. Right. Beat the heat, plant a tree, right? right? And the other thing that I think that we don't discuss enough when we're talking about tree canopy is the, the social benefits the economic benefits. I mean, the return on investment for planting a tree and the eventual ecosystem services that that provides is it's the best return on an investment that any community could possibly make. Yeah, it really seems like one of the only things you can do when people talk about climate change or some of mm-hmm. these massive global problems that seem beyond the realm of any one person planting a tree seems to be something concrete that they can wrap their heads around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about the horrible things that are happening in the Amazon forest. Well, what, what can I do about that? Right. Well, I can plant a tree here. Right. That's how I can help. And if everyone in our community would just get on board with, with planting a tree, then sooner or later I'd work myself out of a job. Well, a lot of people have, and um, several groups have. Trees Louisville's not the only group in town. I do want to hear a little bit about Trees Louisville specifically. You talked sort of how the kernel of its founding, but I'd like to hear more about what Trees Louisville does, what you've been able to accomplish, what some of your plans are, and then if you could sort of uh, tell us a little bit more about some of your other partners and what really this ecosystem of tree planting groups in Louisville looks like. When Trees Louisville first got started, one of the things that we did is... Some of my colleagues, John Swintoski from Metro Parks, Mike Heyman, a couple of other arborists, got in a truck and started driving around looking for places where we could plant a thousand trees because we didn't want to duplicate the programs that other organizations here in town already have in place. Everybody knows about the Olmstead Parks Conservancy. Mm-hmm. I served on that board for 15 years or something. And and I, I love the Olmstead Parks. I mean, there's such a, a huge piece of the fabric of our community Um, but people don't live in those parks right I mean so so we've got to so we need to be able to get trees where people live and work and play Um, and so there's also Louisville Grows which is an organization that really does a great job of working with volunteers and planting in neighborhoods like Portland and Smoketown and Shelby Park and they've done great work and so we didn't didn't want to duplicate duplicate that on that board once upon a time too Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You've been here, there, and everywhere, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, so we decided that our maybe our best mode of operation would be to partner with large property owners and institutionalize tree planting. So back to the connection with Operation Brightside. 30 years ago, Operation Brightside institutionalized so many of the programs that we have here in Louisville today that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Bulk pickup, recycling. Christmas tree recycling, composting, all of those things were developed 
during the time that that I was working at Operation Brightside. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, so what great work we did back then. Yeah. And now what? And now. And now. And and, and what the mission is now is to institutionalize trees in the fabric of our community. It can't be like that just beautification, oh, here's um, here's the 1% we have left for landscaping. Mm-hmm. It's not that. Trees uh, need to be reviewed or thought of as an integral, invaluable asset, um, an integral part of our infrastructure, not exactly. just green infrastructure, exactly. our infrastructure. Exactly. So um, you were talking about partnering with institutions. Am I right that Trees Louisville has really had a special relationship with JCPS and schools, I guess, just because uh, they have a lot of space for tree planting. They do. And they're in our neighborhoods. They're huge property owners. And those schools in all of our neighborhoods are are not just for the school children and teachers that are there. They're community assets. The playgrounds are used by people in the neighborhood. They're community assets. Amen. Yes. Yeah, right? So, and unfortunately, JCPS has kind of been doing it wrong for the last 50 years or so, right? I mean, just... You know, mowing is easy. You get on the mower and you go zoom, zoom, zoom in a straight line and you're done. But gotcha. that's not the way we should be creating our schools. They they should have healthier, um, more natural work environments and and educational environments. So is that has that changed under Superintendent Polio or his predecessor? I mean, you obviously have a good relationship with them now. I assume you think that JCPS is headed in the right direction if they're not if they're not in the right direction. Oh, they are. Okay, good. Absolutely. So yes, talk, we talk started a little with... bit about sort of, you know, what what are you doing with them? How many trees have you planted? Where have you planted them? What are you trying to do? We started actually under um, the leadership of Donna Hargens. And and what we did, Brandon, I think was uh, really turned out I I use the word synchronicity so much when I talk about trees Louisville because things just kind of seem like they fall into place. You know, we have, um, because of Henry Heiser, our board chair's relationship with the Jefferson County's um, Public School uh, Foundation and with the school board, we were able to sit down and talk to Donna Hargens and say, this is what we should be doing. And, And this is why. And she said, I agree completely. So our investment is raising the money to plant trees at schools. And then we also at the same time, work with the grounds management people. So we're working with the guys that have boots on the ground that are on those mowers that are holding those weed eaters. And and we do lots of training with them to so that they understand how important it is to take really good care of these trees. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, you know, a bottom down and a top up sort of um, model. And one of the very first schools that we planted coincidentally was Doss High School. In Southwest um, Jefferson County, and Marty Polio just happened to be the principal at Doss High School at the time, right? right. Yeah, serendipitous, serendipitous, and synchronicity. Yeah, exactly. And the assistant principal was Dr. Noose. So Marty has moved up to uh, superintendent of schools now. Dr. Noose moved over to Ballard High School, where we planted 189 trees. Class of 1999, go Bruins! There you go. <laughs> Just have had you, our 20th uh, reunion last weekend. Oh, I saw that. I saw your note about that. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and then you had a party at some girl's house whose parents were out of town, right? Yeah, I don't know where the party <laughs> was. 
<laughs> but no, I, you know, we did we did have a nice um, arbor, mini arboretum at Ballard, even when I was in school there. You did, and and uh, you know, I'm such a fossil. I, I worked with Jim Fagenbush on that planting uh, back when you were in high school. So how many um, so how many trees have you planted on JCPS property? And is there you know I mean is there a a plan to get to all 155 schools or, or you know what's it look like we are going to get to all 155 schools we've done i think 60 so far oh wow and depending on the size of the campus i mean some campuses are only well our smallest campus probably is was bloom elementary okay which are very in prim- our dis- district eight. exactly and thank you very much because your office actually paid for the sidewalk cuts that were made so that we could plant trees out in front of the school along the sidewalk planted six trees there yeah and then the pta paid for for asphalt removal so that we could get more trees in the playground area mm-hmm. and we think we're going to go back and and do some more depave I hope you do yeah so that's going to be working on a on a they're working on a uh, fundraise for a playground renovation at Bloom. They were one of the winners from our participatory budgeting process. Oh, that's right. So right. they got $25,000 out of that. Very popular among people in all of District 8, not just uh, not just the Bloom PTA, although they were a mighty force to be reckoned with there. So yeah, we hope we really hope we can green up the elementary school. Yeah, so that's a classic, perfect example. And that's where we need it the most. And that's one of the things that we do too at Trees Louisville. We concentrate the vast majority of our work in the areas that were identified by that 2015 Urban Tree Canopy Assessment as low canopy or identified by uh, Dr. Stone's heat management study as, as hot zones or heat mm-hmm. zones. So, so most of our work really is in west and southwest and south central Louisville, but taking advantage of the opportunity to, to, to work at Bloom in the urban area is um, that's a great opportunity. Do you for know us. how many trees you all have planted to date, either on the school grounds or total? And I guess I'm wondering, what do you have a number in terms of what the capacity is for all the school grounds to absorb? Can can we plant fifty thousand more trees on the remaining ninety schools, or ten thousand more trees? Or we could plant between ten and fifty thousand more trees okay. easily. Right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, we've done thousands already. We. Since the first planting season of Trees Louisville, which was 2015, we've planted or distributed uh, a little more than 10,000 trees. If you, and so that's about, is that what, 2,000 a year yeah, or so on average? Yeah, 2,500 yeah. And we, um, uh, you know, our first year we did, you know, X and then we doubled it and then we doubled it. You know, so we're, you know, we're, um, we're Fibonacci. We're, we're yeah. <laughs> I will, so for for District Eight, I'll just mention for anyone that's listening. You know, tree planting has been part of our strategic plan from the beginning. Tree planting is difficult uh, for my office for a couple of reasons. One, we don't have a lot of people who are dedicated to just doing that. It's hard to organize effort. Mm-hmm. Tree planting can be expensive, so it's mm-hmm. hard to raise money. Uh, my goal when I came into office was to, on average, plant one tree every day that I was in office for f- four years. One in District 8 and then one somewhere else, sort of this uh, pay-it-forward ethos that I really hope people will continue to adopt. I just did the math from the website. So we've planted 602 trees at this point. So um, it's unlikely I'm going to reach my goal in in four years. Um, but it, but it, but it's something we've wanted to do, and it shows just how difficult it is. Um, and it really does rely on partnerships and everybody being part of it in order for us to hit some of these big community goals. Yeah, really and truly. So to your point, we partnered together for, to, for with you and planted 
in your district and then planted also in District 1, Jessica right. Green's district. And we planted 44 trees because it was the 44th anniversary. Right, of this the was the first year parade. of the planting mm-hmm. of the green, which is getting ready for its fourth year wow. next year. Good. Looking forward to that. Yes. So, so the first 44 trees went to Farnsley Middle School, which is at the intersection of Lee's Lane and Cane Run Road, another very low canopy area mm-hmm. where, where we concentrate. And then we also worked with the Rubbertown Community Advisory Council and planted another 32 trees at Farnsley Middle School. Okay. And then we worked with the science teacher who had received a um, Partnership for a Green City grant and we planted, I want to say, 20-something trees with, with, with the science class. And on Saturday coming up this week, we're going to work with LG&E employees and plant another 100 trees at Farnsley Middle School. It's amazing. So, I mean, that's, that's a classic example of, of how you, you get those partners, you gain that momentum, you provide that synergy. And Farnsley is one of those campuses that is absolutely huge, and we could, we could plant hundreds more. I heard a rumor that you have a, another rubber town area initiative uh, planned. Is that something that you can talk about here on the podcast or do you need to save that news for some other outlet? No, no, no. We have already made our, our big announcement. That okay. was yesterday. Trees Louisville was fortunate enough to get a grant from the Michelin Corporate Foundation last year. 80,000 euros. Okay. Yeah. So, which translates into just over $90,000. We used that money to hire three students from the University of Kentucky, one landscape architecture student, and two natural resources and environmental sciences students, and um, their, their professor to supervise them. And we took a really deep dive into the Rubbertown area with those, those students and looked at connectivity and reviewed some economic uh, reports and came up with some really good, solid concepts for improving the tree canopy and therefore the aesthetics and environmental quality. And the health of the people. And the health of the people in the Rubbertown corridor. And to that end, we have decided that we can plant... 10,000 trees over the next three years working oh. with our partners in the Rubbertown community. Congratulations. That's, those are huge numbers, as we just talked about. Those are huge numbers, and, and we're going to do it. We're going to kick it off. Actually, we got another grant from Michelin, Cor- Michelin North America and American Synthetic Rubber Company and Waste Management, Inc. Okay. to start a reforestation project on a 75-acre natural area that is in the Rubbertown corridor. So that'll that'll take 500 trees or so. Wow. So, so yeah. Really exciting and good to see some of these companies stepping up. These are obviously large companies mm-hmm. um, that can't afford it. In the case right. of American Synthetic Rubber, that's a, a company that has come before uh, local government before in terms of some problems they've been having mm-hmm. with uh, air pollution control. And it's uh, good to see them try to mitigate some of their presence in the neighborhood with something like this. It's important. Right. And to your point, and, and we're appreciated. also... Yeah. We're going to partner with Hexion as well. We have a partnership with Xeon Chemical. We've done two plantings with them already. We're going to mm-hmm. do another one this fall. Lubrizol is one of our partners. And MSD has facilities there. LG&E has facilities there. Yeah. So there's there's so much opportunity. That's why we feel really confident that we're going to get, the, we're get to that We're not planting rubber 000. trees, are we? I don't know what a rubber tree looks like. Does it have a tree canopy? Is it There? There is a rubber tree. Okay. It's called a hardy rubber, and it is uh, Eucomia is 
the botanical name. And it's so cool, Brandon, because you can take the leaf and you can tear it apart gently and you can see the 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 rubber in the leaf. Native in Kentucky not or not? Exactly. Okay. So we won't we will not be planting any rubber trees in rubber town. Well, we might. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean because it, it's not native here, but it does well here. So Gotcha. Um and so, yeah, so what we try and do uh, is choose trees that are really good for in the urban environment, really durable, really um, able to survive lots of vagaries, um, and, and that is one of them. What is your opinion about the value of street trees? So um, I don't know if street trees fall more in the category of beautification or they fall in the area of tree canopy where they're actually providing... Um, some environmental and uh, human health benefits. We we did fill 116 empty tree wells along Bardstown Road in my first year in office. I know people are interested in trying to create some more tree wells and maybe plant some more trees, which is difficult because it has to go through state permitting on Bardstown Road and it can be expensive to, to cut out the sidewalk and then to plant the trees and maintain them, but that's something that people have asked me about. So, um, you know, how do you all see street trees versus um, some other more traditional areas that you've been planting canopy? Street trees are probably the most ecosystem efficient trees. Planting on a street shades the road, uh-huh. so cools that, that built environment, cools that hardscape surface, provides shade for pedestrians and bikers, and intercepts stormwater, and we so should do it. We should do it. Okay. Street trees are incredibly important. Okay. That's probably the most important place to get trees. Now, do you planted. all interact with the state uh, transportation cabinet in terms of getting the permitting and that sort of thing? I think when we went the first time around, we worked through the city's uh, Aaron Thompson, who's our who's our um, urban forester, to help get that done with the public works assistance. Do you all? How's your success been with the state? Thanks for asking. Because they're another one of our partners. Oh, good. Large property owner. We actually have a memorandum of of agreement with KYTC, the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet, to be able to plant trees with them. And so, yes, we have a great relationship with them. I guess the schools are the state. They are. They are. Absolutely. And it's interesting because, again, I'm such a fossil. When I first went to meet with them, the, uh, the young man that does permitting for District 5. His name is Kenny Carrico. Mm-hmm. He started to tell me about how you, um, here, here's what the permit looks like. Um, you have to do this, you have to do that. And I said, Kenny, how old are you? <laughs> and and he said, I'm 32. And I said, okay, so I was doing these permits before you were born. Yeah. So I know what I'm doing. Okay, good. Well, we, maybe we'll call on you for a uh, phase two, look at uh, the commercial corridors. And the I would love to be able to help you with that. Okay. That'd be awesome. We'll talk offline. Okay. Um, so I wanted to get your take on um, the new tree ordinances that is before the Metro Council. It's, p- it's pending and still being discussed in the Planning and Zoning Committee. And I know you've been very involved with a lot of other people for many years on trying to advance this uh, new policy that actually gets at um, development trees. First, I wanted to look backwards a year or so. Uh, when I was early on the Metro Council, we passed an ordinance, I think Councilman Bill Hollander was the primary sponsor and did a lot of the work on this, to um, change some of the rules around public trees, so trees that are in the public right-of-way. Uh, notably, the rule included that um, adjacent property owners are responsible for them, which I know some people don't don't like. 
um, for, you know, because it could be an extra cost or a burden or a risk for them. But that when a tree is removed, that adjacent prop, or when a tree needs to be removed, that property owner has the responsibility to remove it and then to replace it. Um, now, for anyone who says, well, why should we have to pay for that and do that? And I've had someone ask me that, and it's a good question. I've said that the city has sort of shifted the costs for things over the years. Once upon a time, not too long ago, uh, property owners were responsible for fixing their sidewalks, mm -hmm. and now the city does that, for example. Uh, but in sort of part of the, the horse trading over the years, trees have fallen to uh, people. want to know if you think that's a good policy, if it's fair, what you know about how it's worked so far, and that kind of thing. That is an interesting question, and it does go back a long, long way. I did vote for it, I will say. That. Right. And I think it was back in the 80s when it, when it sort of shifted to the responsibility. I mean, it has been decades, the responsibility of the adjacent property owner. Okay. I mean, so, you're right. You're right. That's not new. Okay. That's, yeah, that's not, that's not new. Okay. But, but, but you're right. Most people don't realize that. Right. And that was part of what that ordinance did. It really did raise the, aware, yes. yeah, raise the awareness and clar clarify. I would... In, I think in an ideal world, uh, Brandon, I, I would rather um, the city actually be respons the responsible party mm -hmm. because with that, you would get more continuity. You would get, uh, you know, I, I just think that would be a good thing to do. I mean, mm -hmm. kind of like sidewalks. But, um, but the realities of the situation are, you know, where's money going to come from? Right. Hmm. So, um, and... It's not too early to start planning for that, though. Right, Exactly. Um, and, to, and, and I guess the other side of the coin is I'm a Gemini, so I'm always looking at these things, you know, gotcha. two different personalities. It, it's, it's part of my property value that I've got that beautiful red maple in the, in the verge in front of my home. Right. So why shouldn't I be responsible? Uh, you know, so I, I, yeah. you know, I, hear you. um, I, I think the important piece of that, there's a couple of really important pieces with that legislation. And, and one is the. Uh, the replacement. Mm -hmm. I think that's really very important. And I think the other thing that it did is it, it, it kind of made all of us realize, Metro Council and the administration and, and nonprofit organizations, that we, need, we needed to take a deeper dive and look at development. And back again to that, mm -hmm. I mean, in 2010, there were revisions to the Land Development Code, but they skipped Chapter 10, which has uh, the landscaping in right. it, because nobody could agree. Right. In 2012, they said, oh, well, let's just wait until we get that urban tree canopy assessment published. Well, mm -hmm. that happened in 2015. We still didn't do anything, um, even with that urgency. So, um, you know. I will say, and I've talked about this a little bit before, and um, I guess it's credit to, some credit to maybe development forces, or maybe that they've just come around because it's inevitable. But I feel like when I was growing up in the 90s, especially, when urban sprawl was raging and the economy was raging, um, you know, we were tearing down oh. forests and farms and building subdivisions far out as quickly as we could. And the land use politics of that was extremely divisive. And now I think you're seeing, not completely, but I think you're seeing the development community understand the importance of trees. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there's a, a uh, numerical value associated with that. People want them and they demand them and it's important because, um, you know, if we don't have air, we can breathe and nobody's going to buy any houses or build any houses. Uh, but I have seen some embrace of, you know, urban infill and density and some mm -hmm. of those more traditional smart growth principles that would have been more at odds uh, 10 or 20 years ago. And so I'm hopeful that as we negotiate these final details of a 
private property tree Mm -hmm. preservation and planting regime, we're going to be able to accomplish something meaningful. Do you have that sense or... I think that's a really good point. And here's the process. Over the last year, when since uh, Councilman Hollander introduced this resolution to have the Planning Commission examine this, and we've had 15, wor- at least, 15 working group meetings where small groups get together, representatives like me from nonprofits and um, landscape architects that represent developers, 15 working group meetings, six public meetings, six planning committee meetings from mm-hmm. the planning commission, two planning commission meetings over over the last year. So there has been a lot of compromise and the numbers that were that were presented that were unanimously voted to present to Metro Council were was v- the voted res- by the planning commission. Voted by the planning commission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were, were um that was a, a matter of compromise. Right. They were watered down some. They the numbers are. their numbers are not as strong as I think no, people I, like us would like to see right. them. Tree advocates are not happy. Yeah. <laughs> Developers so, are not know, happy. And we're, and we're still working on it. Mm-hmm. Um and I've asked a lot of questions about this in committee because it can be a difficult piece of legislation to look at and understand. Um, I've been pretty active in terms of legislating and policymaking in my few years here, and there's just sort of this scientific and numerical quantitative, there's charts and there's, mm-hmm. that make it more difficult for people to understand at first glance when instead of just reading sort of, you know, in plain words what a new rule is going to be. Um, and in fact, there have even been some tree advocates I've spoken to who have questioned, wait a minute, are we really getting at the right thing here? Are we actually requiring, are we giving people more credit for planting trees in the future than we are giving them now? Or, you know, so, and I'm sure you've spent countless hours looking at this, and I have too, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Do you feel confident that the legislation as it exists today is an improvement over the status quo? Or are we sort of, have we sort of been deceived somewhat about what these numbers and the percentages truly represent in terms of the uh, net uh, preservation and gain of canopy? So I guess my answer would be yes and no. I mean, right now, you, you're... Well, that re- clarifies it. Yeah. So anyway. okay. <laughs> you know, zero, there's zero, pres- zero preservation right now. No, zero so- preservation requirement in the land development code today, meaning that even if you have a lot of trees on your property, mm-hmm. there's nothing that stops you from cutting them all down. Correct. Okay. And so, the, And the new law proposes... 20%. 20%. If, if, if half of your lot or more is covered in trees, you have to keep 20%. Exactly. That's what's proposed. Right, exactly. And so that's an improvement. Um, could it be better? Absolutely. Should it be more? Yes, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but it's an improvement. The, and, and you're right about those credit numbers. Um, you know, giving credit for a full-size tree when you're planting it, yeah, that's, it makes it a little squirrely, right, <laughs> if yeah. I can use that term. Yeah. Um, so, so, we, so we do need to take a long, hard look at that. Okay. And, 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 and unfortunately, it's, it's in your hands now, right? Right. It's in sure. our, it's in, you know, I don't serve on the Planning and Zoning Committee, but I've attended all those meetings because mm-hmm. I'm very interested in it. And I, I'm confident that people are going to wait to get all the answers they need before they vote on it. I know people are eager to, to pass it, but we want to make sure we're passing something that makes sense. And I've said a, uh, a couple of times, they're, they're pretty simple comments, but I'm not sure that we're incentivizing preservation enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the cost of planting new trees should be 
so much more than the value you are credited with preserving them that we really change incentives a little bit. So I'm still looking, you know, at the end of the day, can people count on me to vote yes for something that strengthens our tree policy? Yes. Like I'm going to be a yes vote for a good piece of legislation. Um, you just need, not maybe sure need to make some amendments. Right, right. Right. Exactly. Still yeah. learning about it. Yeah. And I think that um, we need to sit down and realize that this is almost, I mean, we're, this is 2019. Mm -hmm. This is not, you know, 1990s, as you mentioned, it's not post-World War II development. We just have to figure out how to develop better and smarter. So, I mean, in these economic times and in these times of crisis with our environment globally, Mm -hmm. Right. We've got to do a better job. We've got to be more innovative. We've got to be more creative. We've got to do a better job. And locally. I mean, yep. you, our, our stormwater management problems, mm-hmm. our air pollution problems are very real. It's not it, global warming and climate change and whatever you want to call it is not some faraway thing somewhere else. We experience it right here. Right here. Um, well, we don't have a ton of time left. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Um, what else can you tell us about um, Trees Louisville? Give us a little bit more information about sort of the size of your organization, how many people work there, how many volunteers you have, obviously how people can contribute if writing a check is the best thing they can do or if um, getting out and volunteering to plant trees is the best thing they can do. Tell us how to learn more. Writing a check is a great thing to do because that will fund projects in greatest need. And those are those are disp- disproportionately um, areas of color, low socioeconomic levels, we can, we can take those redlining maps from the 1930s mm-hmm. and we can overlay ca- canopy um, analysis. And the redlined neighborhoods have 22% canopy. The green line neighborhoods, the grade A good neighborhoods mm-hmm. have 49% canopy wow. today. Yeah. So, so, so that's a social environmental justice absolutely. areas. Yeah. So, so write a check and we'll plant trees where they need to be. Um, we have a very small staff, and our focus, again, is on that 70% of Jefferson County that is privately owned. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Thompson, you mentioned before, takes care of that 30% that's public property, but we've got 70% that we need to do. So, so we have a number of programs where we incentivize homeowners to plant trees. Community Canopy Program is a free tree delivered to your door. Mm-hmm. You just go to our website, treeslouisville.org. Click on the button, um, put in your um, the free tree button, put in your address. It pulls up a satellite image. You put a polygon around your home and the and pick a tree. And the software program tells you the best place to plant a tree so that you save more money in the summertime on your electric bill. Really? Yes. Hit submit. We deliver the tree free to your door. Okay. So just let me ask. So <laughs> you deliver a tree to my door. Mm-hmm. I've got to dig a hole. Do I have to call 811 and make sure I don't hit a wire? How does that work? I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. you all plant hundreds and thousands of trees. Some people have never planted a tree in their life. The tree that will be delivered to your door or or a, a larger tree if you decide that you want to come and pick one up at a, at a prearranged pickup site is going to be in a one to five gallon container. So that's a, you know, picture a gallon of milk, okay. right? And yes, you should call 811. It's very easy to do. You can even go online and put in your address and they'll come in and mark utilities. You dig a hole only as deep as the root ball in the container, but twice as wide so that you're loosening up the soil so the roots can go out. Mm -hmm. You put some water on it and a little bit of mulch and voila, you've got a perfectly... Nature will take care of the rest. Yeah. 
And you all are there for technical assistance. We we'll send you directions with, okay. with your tree on how to plant. So, I mean, that's, and that's a great program. And if we also have another program that is funded in part by the Division of Community Forestry, where we provide a 40% rebate if someone wants to go out and buy a tree. So if you want, you, you want to go out, um, you in summer to, to plant a tree for, to celebrate your anniversary, you uh-huh. go buy your tree, save your receipt, and then uh, we'll refund 40% of the cost of that tree up to $80. So you can buy another tree. So you can buy another tree. Okay. Yeah, it's like 40% discount. What the heck? Well, um, I, we are running out of time. It's a shorter show today. I, I could not um, end the show without thanking all the many tree partners that we've used in District 8. Mm-hmm. Trees of Louisville has been great in terms of being part of our planning of the green uh, event, which we're going to do again this March, and I think this year we are planting, let's see, 45, 45, 46, 47 times 2, 94 <laughs> trees. We'll plant 47 trees somewhere in District 8 and 47 trees somewhere else in this community that needs them, and I think that brings our rolling total over four years to almost three or 400, which Good. I'm very proud of. Uh, but I also want to thank Olmstead Parks Conservancy, Urban Forestry, MSD, uh, Louisville Grows, I think I'm missing somebody else, but there are so many great bright tree pl- bright side, of course, <laughs> so many great tree planting organizations in this community. Um, I'd urge everybody that's listening, if you're going to do one thing to help make Louisville a better place next year, uh, plant a tree. And so. this is a perfect time to do it. All right, Cindy, thank you for being on the show, and uh, hope to hear more with you in the future. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. I'm Councilman Brandon Cohn. Please stay in touch with our office. Visit our website at www.tinyurl.com slash cmconed8. And once you're there, please subscribe and stay informed to receive our biweekly e-newsletter. <laughs>